Thank you for joining us today for Articulations, an interview series with local artists. This program is a collaboration between the Margaret Sloss Center for Women and Gender Equity, the College of Design, and KHOI Community Radio. My name is Nancy Gebhardt, and we are thrilled to introduce you to four amazing artists in our community, from whom you'll hear every Monday at 4 p.m. during the month of March. This interview series is made possible by the generous support provided by Humanities Iowa and originated with the hashtag WomenKnowStuff2 exhibition and programming created in 2020 by Roxandra Marcoux, Emily Morgan, and Jennifer Drinkwater. WomenKnowStuff2 programming seeks to highlight women and gender minoritized non-binary artists' contributions in the arts. Focus on women and non-binary artists' exper expertise in art making has historically been lacking, with exhibitions typically focusing on what artists represent in their work more than how they do it or the levels of skill and technical command they achieve in the process. We want to move beyond that by asking about the process, experience, meaning, and impact of the art discussed in these interviews. This is the first interview in this series, and I'm excited to be speaking with Jamie Malone. Jamie Malone is an Iowan traditional and graphic illustrator who graduated with a BA in biological pre-medical illustration in 2019 from Iowa State University. They have been working as a freelance illustrator for many nonprofits, authors, and schools in the central Iowa area. Past clients include One Iowa, Mainframe Studios, Young Women's Resource Center, Food Corp Inc., and Confluence Brewing Company. They were a selected artist for the 2020 Trans People Are Sacred National Billboard Campaign, organized by artists Jonah Welch and Save Art Space. Their most recent accomplishment is And That's Their Family, a children's book by author Kaylee Coleman, which Jamie fully illustrated. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm incredibly excited and grateful for this chance to talk with you. I will take any chance I can to talk to you. So. <laughs> and this time on the radio. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to just start, because um, we've known each other for a few years, mm -hmm. and one thing that I have been inspired by in watching your art practice and watching your work is the transition you've made from student to part-time artist mm -hmm. to full-time artist. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that transition to full-time artist for us? Yes. Um, it was a little bit of an intense inner battle for me because I was always used to working customer service up until I decided to take the jump into um, full-time art. In addition, I hadn't seen many people making a living off of art in like real life besides, you know, famous artists um, until late college. So the concept of doing only that as a career was a little intimidating to me. Um, a big thing that hindered me from creating art full-time was the cost. Materials can be so expensive if you're wanting to like paint full-time, which is something I inevitably want to do in the future. Um, and I didn't have a savings or anything. So when I decided to go full-time, it was a bit of a shot in the dark, but I got an iPad, which is kind of my baby. I have it with me right now. <laughs> and um, I started doing digital commissions with that and it just skyrocketed from there, so. And now you've got commissions coming all the time. I do, yeah. I'm very grateful too. It's just nice to be able to create every day, so. That's wonderful. Did you have to teach yourself the iPad? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I got Procreate because 
it's like the cheapest option uh, for digital illustration. Besides, there's like free programs, but Procreate specifically is the user interface is very beneficial for artists that prefer like physical drawing versus technical vectorization like on um, Adobe Illustrator. So learning that was a little bit of a curve, but I know a lot of tips and tricks now. So it just feels like second nature to me. That's great. And is it is it similar? Do you, do you find that there's some commonalities between your practice of painting with physical painting? Kind of. Um, completely different. <laughs> it's completely different. This is like a little more streamlined. Um, there's a lot of features that just like help the process go a little quicker where with painting I well I do start with like my painting sketches on here um, depending on how big the painting is I will sometimes project it onto my canvas um, just to make that go by a little quicker but just the way that I can play with layers and um, the layer type creates such a different ambiance than like traditional painting would because I like to play a lot with light um, in my digital pieces. I've been often compared, I don't know, a lot of people have said my art looks very holy, which is the kind of vibe that I go for with digital, with all of my art, but digital especially. Um, so yeah. I would, I would agree with that description, having Thank seen you. so much of your work <laughs> and even having some in my home yes. too, that it does have, holy is a good word, it has that kind of ambiance or it has a presence mm -hmm. um, and a very what I think has become a really signature style of yours yeah. which is wonderful yeah. <laughs> so what has been the most rewarding part for you in transitioning to being a full-time artist oh I really really love creating art for other people I love being like a vessel where they can like throw all of their thoughts and ideas into and I'm able to take those words and translate them specifically into images um, with like symbolism uh, and just seeing the reactions that people give me after I make something because my process I'm really bad I start with a sketch and then I'm like my sketches are usually just like a gray background and then um, a darker pencil sketch. And then I don't really show process because I'm constantly changing it with all of the options of layers that I have that one process picture is going to look completely different like two days later because I've already changed it in my mind. Um, but just like going from a regular black and white pencil sketch to like a full-on color rendered piece and people going like oh my goodness where did this come from that's very exciting for me <laughs> you, you live for that yes that reaction i do i is, really do which is awesome <laughs> yeah um and so with all the good things i'm sure there have been challenges is there something you could share that what's been the most challenging part yes um i it's, it's hard to keep up on like a tight schedule for yourself um, if you're like doing, you're, you're your own boss. Um, so just being able to prioritize like what is work time? What is relaxation time? What is times with friend and family and loved ones? Um, and often work time is just fully intertwined all the time because I'm always making art, whether it is commission work or just personal work. Um, and then I am really prone to burning out. Um, I still have like 
art practices that I did in college where I would stay up super late and do all-nighters, um, depending on the piece and depending on how much I'm procrastinating. Um, so We can all relate. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of being able to like make sure I'm still taking care of myself in the process of working um, can be difficult sometimes. So For sure. So even thinking about the idea of taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and making time for yourself, prioritizing your your own health and wellness and yeah. all of it too. Who or what do you look for or look to for grounding when you need it? Ooh, um, I am always listening to music. Um, music is super grounding to me. Uh, it helps me feel centered. It helps me relax. Um, so I'm always doing that. Some artists that I listen to that make me feel grounded are like Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Lucy Dacus and Jamila Woods um, and also it's nice because during like the resting time that's when inspiration should be allowed to like come in right so you need those breaks to be able to um, not plateau which I notice like whenever I'm plateauing with my art and I get frustrated but then when I allow myself to rest and relax and um, let inspiration come to me it helps in the long run. Um, and then, yeah, quality time with the people that I care about is always really nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you still prioritize that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you've been in the full-time artist world mm-hmm. for a little while, are there things that you know now that you wish you'd known as you were getting into it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, artist taxes are hard. I still, well, just like, you know, uh, small business taxes. I don't know that much about taxes and I didn't know anything about taxes when I started. Um, Again, I just kind of jumped into it Um, and I didn't take any classes or I don't know. I feel (laughs) like I'm learning something new like every week about taxes that I didn't know before. Um, But my dad knows a bunch, so anytime I can't find anything or anytime I'm overwhelmed with trying to understand them, I just ask him, and I hope so. (laughs) That's so good, because taxes are complicated, (laughs) and even the thought, though, of going to a a class Mm -hmm. on learning how to do Mm -hmm. taxes does not, sounds very worthwhile, but difficult to get through at the same time. I don't know if I'd pay attention that well. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so this is a good reminder for everyone listening that tax season is upon us. Tax season is here and looming (laughs) over us. Ask for help when you need it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So also as an independent artist, you've recently had a few mentorship experiences. Mm -hmm. Could you talk to us a little bit about those and how they've informed your work? Yes. So I recently had a curation residency at the Octagon here in Ames uh, with Kristen Gretemann. Hi, Kristen, if you're (laughs) listening. Um, I honestly loved it so much because it was interesting to see so many techniques, uh, styles, and mediums that are used by different artists around the state. It was also a really helpful experience in learning how to prepare my art for future gallery showings and packing art if I'm like shipping it long distance. And then right before that, I had an editorial illustration mentorship with Kath Virginia. Um, They're a pretty well-known illustrator, and now they work as a senior editorial designer at Vice. So I kind of like, they're really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was really honored to be picked as, I was one of two people picked for that mentorship. So 
it felt really important and kind of set a tone for the shift uh, in my illustration career that I wanted to go towards. Um, and that helped me expand my critical thinking when it comes to representing thoughts, emotions, events, and politics and art in like a clever way. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful opportunity. And also a good segue um, because I wanted to talk about the recent addition to your resume, which is that you've added children's book illustrator. Yeah. Right? Oh, Congratulations. So cool. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so your first book called And That's Their Family with author Kaylee Coleman was published last year. Can you tell us about the book? Yes. So Kaylee... Uh absolute delight so sweet came up with the lyrics to sing to our daycare kids for important topics uh, this one being that there are a plethora of family structures that exist then she posted the lyrics on tiktok and it became super viral it has like two point something million views um and lots of people were asking for it to become a book so she looked for a local illustrator and i was recommended to her it was both our first time creating a book, but she wanted to do it all locally and self-publish. Um, so we've become a little bit of a tag team through that process. We feel a little like besties, it's fun. Um, some structures in the book include two moms, um, living with aunts or uncles, living with siblings, group homes, having non-binary parents or having parents who are divorced. Um, Kaylee really emphasized the desire to have diverse inclusivity, inclusivity, that's how you say that. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to make sure that was represented through race and ethnicity and disability and gender and body shape and all of the ways that people are unique. Um, so, so far it seems pretty well received. I think we did a good job today. <laughs> I have not gotten to see the physical book yet, but I've seen the illustration. Well, I, I I need to place my order, yeah. which I will ask you about <laughs> later. But um, but what I've seen on social media is stunning mm -hmm. and incredibly wonderful, um, especially the combination of Kaylee's text yes. and your illustrations, mm -hmm. um, because your illustrations take that idea of that and that's their family to another level right yeah. um to things that people can see and people can can relate to and learn from at the same time and it's really um an incredibly wonderful project mm -hmm. so you mentioned that kaylee or you were recommended to kaylee mm -hmm. and then didn't you got connected through social media is that right yes so how did she reach out to me? I think she just sent me a message on Instagram, which I am really bad. Okay, in general, I'm really bad at checking messages. I just like, dozens of people will message me. Ugh, so popular. Dozens <laughs> of people <laughs> will message me and I wanna get back to everybody, but I just, you know, I get, I'm on a screen all day when I'm doing digital art. So just like also being on my phone, also watching TV, all that stuff, it gets a little overwhelming sometimes. But, um, she messaged me on Instagram. She was just like, hi, my name's Kaylee. And I was like, hey, I've never met you before because she lives uh, like West Iowa. Um, yeah, and it just went from there. It was That's like- That's so great. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's kind of like um, like a cold call, right? And in, in, yes. on Instagram, mm -hmm. reaching out to you. So what was it about the book that 
um, made illustrating it important to you or made you want to do it? I love kids so much. They're literally little bundles of joy. They're so smart. They have so many creative ideas. I so, can I can also attest that they love you back, ah! given how much my daughter talks about you. Really? So, yeah, Lydia, of course. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, so just being able to create art for children and seeing how astounded they are by it is always... It's it's just it's a fun little quirk. It's like how I create art for people and they're astounded by it. That's that's mid tier. When kids are astounded by it, that's high. That's high tier. I'm that's high what praise. I high praise. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super fulfilling and it's really important to me that kids have representation of themselves in media. Um, I feel like it can be life changing for them sometimes. Kaylee literally messaged me this morning and was like hey, so I wanted to tell you about this person, this teacher who was reading to their kids in class, and they started reading our book, and they started out with, some kids have two mommies, and there was this kid who was looking at the ground and just, like, sitting there, and then once they sang that lyric, the kid, like, looked up and was like, what? That's like me. That's like my family. And then I was just oh, like, that's oh, that's amazing. Oh, what a nice way to start the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> well, so that reminds me, uh, there's an education scholar, Rudine Sims Bishop, mm-hmm. who writes about children's literature and specifically writes about the need for children's literature to have or or um, be considered mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors mm-hmm. and talks about the importance, like what you're saying with this young student this morning, mm-hmm. they saw a mirror, right? They saw themselves reflected in this book that they were reading in school and that's so incredibly important especially for the students who may not have seen themselves reflected to them in the books um, as frequently right Mm -hmm. Um, and so creating books that do provide these mirrors for all students and all kids um, is so incredibly important and so i um, i'm just so grateful that that you're doing that um, through the books that you're illustrating um, because then it's also so the mirrors is to so people can see themselves reflected. Windows is to provide a look onto a different world, mm-hmm. right? And something um, and see and learn from a world that's different from your own and how valuable that can be. And then the sliding glass doors represents how important it is to invite people uh-huh. both ways, right? To mm-hmm. invite people in um, and share those experiences because our books need to reflect the wonderful, rich diversity that is the world. Mm-hmm. And if there's only one type of child and one type of child's experience that is reflected in those mirrors, mm-hmm. then that creates this fictional version of the world um, that disregards and marginalizes a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I thought of when we first talked about your book was this idea that you're using your art to create these really beautiful in studying mirrors and windows and sliding glass doors for children, Thank which you. is wonderful. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you will already have another book in the works, yes. right? And scheduled to come out this year. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about that book? Yeah. Um, so this is another collaboration with Kaylee. Like I said, we're besties now. <laughs> um, and it is called We Love Our Bodies. I just started the sketch process for this this past week very excited i literally was falling asleep um after a long day of work at like 1 a.m whatever it's just fine. because you were working so yeah long on it, you're so- <laughs> well no not on i was okay. working on something else but then as i was falling asleep like literally 
images of me sketching the book were coming to my mind and I was like, yes, that is how I want it to look. That's how I want to draw it. Um, and then I could peacefully fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so very excited about it. Um, I just, yeah, I just started the sketching this week. Um, it's about celebrating all types of bodies and all the things that our bodies can do for us. Um, I'm going to make the pages a bit fuller and more lively in contrast to the family book, which has like more stoic, um, you know, like two to five people portraits. Um, not a lot of movement. They're like encased in ovals. So just being able to make like a full page for kids to like explore and look around is going to be really nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a great way also to uh, encourage kids to continue reading the books over and over, right? Mm -hmm. They can kind of find little things and yeah. new things throughout, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you again for creating opportunities for children to see themselves and their families in books mm -hmm. and uh, want to express how important that is that you and Kaylee are doing that. And I'm glad that you've got a new bestie yes. <laughs> in, that, in that process. <laughs> so if people want to find the books that you two are making, where would they go to find them? So it'll be www.kcolemanbooks.com. That's where Kaylee has, and that's their family listed for hardcover and paperback books. And that's eventually where we'll have We Love Our Bodies as well. So it's the letter K, C-O-L-E-M-A-N-B-O-O-K-S.com. Perfect. Yeah. So I also wanted to talk about the campaign logo you created for Indira Shoemaker, mm -hmm. who in January was sworn in as the newest member of the Des Moines City Council. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how you got involved with that campaign? Yes. So Indira happens to be my best friend's sister, my best friend like since middle school. Um, so I've known her for most of my life. Uh, she approached me when she started brewing up the idea to campaign and asked if I would illustrate the logo. Um, never illustrated a campaign logo before, so I was like, Ugh, I will try my best. <laughs> um, but new projects always give me a little bit of a rush, so I finished it up like the next day. <laughs> Literally, I was like, what if we, what if you looked like this? She was like, yes, go for it. And then she gave me a mood board, and I just made something, and then I went, do you like this? And she went, oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, she is one of the most compassionate and driven humanitarians I have the pleasure of knowing. So being able to create that meant a lot to me. Absolutely. And to have such a personal relationship, too. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much that goes that went into that logo, even though you said you did it quickly, but you're so excited about it and yeah. you have so much to put into it. Someone I care about like so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it really became, I mean, especially because as someone's campaigning, mm -hmm. you see it everywhere, right? You right. see it, it all. It sets the tone. It does. Literally for the campaign. Yeah, yeah, you see it all over their social media. Mm -hmm. You see it in person. Like it's, um, it's what will draw people back, mm -hmm. right? It's, it, it's creating a brand for that campaign at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think what you've created is iconic. Like it's so, <laughs> and so perfect for, for that campaign mm -hmm. because it doesn't look like any other political oh, campaign yeah. logo I have ever seen. Literally, like I also did um, Jalen Cavill's, that was a collaboration um, logo. And while I was making that one, course I also did I drew an image of Jalen and I was like it just makes sense 
for campaign logos to have like the person in it like <laughs> having a face to the name immediately it just i feel makes it more personable makes it more catchy i yeah i mean, yeah. it humanizes it yes. right it makes literally it like, yes yes, <laughs> yes like this is the person mm-hmm. that um that you're investing in, that you're you're putting you're putting a lot of hope in and mm-hmm. a lot of trust in, right? Mm-hmm. To represent you and represent your community. Mm-hmm. So I do have to ask because I've just personally been wondering, like, yes. how awesome was the victory party after yes. the election results were uh, announced? First off, the food was great. I know that's not what you asked, but <laughs> oh, I'm no. just thinking food, about food, it. Food, you know, is important. It was really good. Um, there was already a lot of buzz, like when I got there. Um, so many people that India cared about. It was it was at Mars Cafe. Um, and it was just full. Um, and it, if we we kept refreshing the page. The page was like projected onto a big wall, and it had everybody's name listed and all of the like tallied votes. And just refreshing it and seeing like the the like comparison of how much was coming in. Um, there, it was just it was it was a rise of energy the entire night and then the second that it was announced they just started blaring music everyone was screaming <laughs> it was really nice it felt like I don't know I I didn't have a lot of um, I didn't do a lot of the field work when it came to the campaign but I was just you know because I lived up here mm-hmm. at the time and it was in Des Moines um, but just being able to see all the hard work that everybody on the campaign was putting in, like paid off, was so sweet. Yeah. It was sweet to be able to experience with everybody. It was sweet to celebrate their wins. So Just celebratory joy. That's yes. what I imagine. This yeah. is like the type where your cheeks hurt after oh, from yeah. smiling so much. Like right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. I was actually thinking that too. I'm yeah. smiling a lot. Um, one thing I really admire about Indira's campaign is how she she never it was never about herself right it was about the people and mm-hmm. it was about the community and it was about um the organization mm-hmm. um and so there's a writer that i really admire named Miriam kava who writes about activism and abolition and organizing and specifically talks about the difference between activism and organizing mm-hmm. right and activism is something that can be done individually mm-hmm. right you can have an individual activist action you could you know you can identify individually as an activist Mm -hmm. but um organizing requires accountability to Mm -hmm. a community Mm -hmm. and to me that's what ndr's campaign represents because as you were just describing in that in that victory moment right it's about all of those people who came together and who contributed to the success of that campaign Mm -hmm. and so as we're talking about articulations right what is it that you think artists specifically bring to organizing Hmm. like that yes I think that artists can really set the tone like you said it set the tone for like the campaign right Um, visual representation kind of ignites so many different things in people um, because everybody comes from different backgrounds everybody cares about different things but um, being able to like bring that into a community helps remind everybody what we're fighting for. Um, so in a way, I would say that artists kind of paint a path for others to find community for what they're compassionate about. 
Absolutely. And I was actually reminded as you were talking about what you were describing earlier, Mm -hmm. even in just doing commissions. And I think um, this is that, but on a different level where an artist has the expertise Mm -hmm. and the skill and the ability to take big ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Feelings, emotions, concepts, words, and then funnel it down into a visual that mm-hmm. captures all of it, yeah. right? That's an incredibly uh, important skill in those coalitions, mm-hmm. right? Where you could just, you can kind of sit and absorb all of this energy and all of this meaning and all of this thinking mm-hmm. and then synthesize it into an image that resonates with people, not just the people that are in that group, in that community, but then so many communicates groups. out yeah. as well and brings more people in. So mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, a quote from Marion Kaba that I really like that I think relates to that is when she wrote that nothing that we do that is worthwhile is done alone. And I think to me that is incredibly important to think about how we connect with other people and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So as we're coming to a close, I just want to ask one more question. Yes. When lost in the freedom of dreaming, what do you creatively dream about? <sighs> hmm. Well, I always dream of exploration um, in freely being able to try new mediums. Um, that's kind of a way I honor my inner child because, you know, my inner child didn't think I'd be an artist, so just being able to like play around and trying new things um, feels really good and feels fulfilling. Um, I also dream of being free from the restraint of bills and debt and cost. Um, being able to make art just to like give to others uh, is ultimately what I dream of. It's so much like I love to be able to create commissions. I love that people want to support me financially to like create for them, but just being able to give people art because I care about them and because I care about what I'm making is very fulfilling for me. So being able to do that inevitably at some point in my life would be really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also just full accessibility to art and that art is everywhere and art deserves to be everywhere in the hands of everybody. People shouldn't have to pay for art. People shouldn't have to pay for anything. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no cost for them or for me to be able to deliver art to people is what what I dream of. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Jamie, thank you so much. As always, I love our time together and I am incredibly grateful for you and all that you make and all that you do and all that you bring and all that you give. So thank you for being part of this interview series. Yes, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell people where they can find you and keep up with what you're doing? Yes. So jamiemalone.com, J-A-M-I-E-M-A-L-O-N-E, um, is my portfolio website. Not updated as often, but has like my big hitters that I like. And then also has my CV if anybody wants to see the things that I do. <laughs> Um, and then Instagram is where I have more frequent postings, um, which is at art by J Malone, uh, A-R-T-B-Y, the letter J, M-A-L-O-N-E. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks again, Jamie. And thank you for listening to Articulations. 
brought to you by the Margaret Sloss Center for Women and Gender Equity, the College of Design, and KHOI Community Radio 89.1 FM, with support from Humanities Iowa. Our interview is edited by Rosie Rowe. And to round out the hour, we invite you to sit back and enjoy a selection of songs picked by Jamie. And you can find the full articulations playlist on the Sloss Center website. Tune in next week, Monday at 4 p.m. for an Articulations Conversation with Kristen Roach.